Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Hello and welcome to Making Kayfabe. It's your good friends Bryce and Dylan here broadcasting not quite live from Kayfabe HQ and we are here once again to take you through another deconstruction of a glorified missed opportunity in wrestling. Uh, my co-host Dylan is here. Uh, so Dylan, what's your favourite condiment? Oh. I'm going to have to press you for an answer here. Salt. Salt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I already uh, like them. Oh, you know what's really good? Pepper sauce. Pepper, right, yeah. I was going to say, salt's the most like exotic spice in Iceland. Uh, Iceland, Ireland. <laughs> what's the Spiceland. <laughs> Spiceland. Oh, man. They're both very cold places. I-, I wanted to catch you off guard there because I always like, um, I always tend to ask you how you're doing and you give me the same answer every time. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, braced. So, so today is, uh, today's quite an interesting one because I'm going to... I'm going to analyze and rebook a huge missed opportunity in wrestling, which has actually been proven a huge missed opportunity. Like, you know, the episodes we've done in the past, like Right to Censor, Sean O'Hare, Mordecai, Taz, etc. They never actually did reach their full potential in, in, in wrestling, but the subject today has been kind of solidified as an actual main eventer in the last year, and in my opinion, would have been that way much earlier if he was booked correctly. So today... I'm going to be rebooking Drew McIntyre during his uh, original WWE run from 2009-2010-ish when he was the chosen one. So, Drew McIntyre is from Scotland. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously, I, I am also from Scotland. Famously. Uh, yeah, famously, yeah, and maybe infamously. But Drew, Drew was uh, yeah, he's actually raised probably about an hour's drive from where I was brought up, a town called Ayr, and uh, he's um, he's actually the first wrestler I remember seeing at, at an independent show who later went on to kind of wrestle in the big leagues. Like I, I saw him do like various indie shows when I was quite young. Like there was a promotion called BCW where he used to wrestle a lot, and you know when I was like eleven, twelve years old, like dragging mum and dad uh, along to these shows, you know. And to this day, I remember him standing out. He wrestled under the name The Drew Galloway, uh, which was like effectively like a, a pompous Kenny Hugh. And he had a manager by the name of Charles Boddington. And uh, of course, he was he was fucking huge, like absolutely gigantic guy. And like you could just you could just kind of feel those kind of superstar vibes from him, you know. I do. I do know what you mean, though. Like, although he he definitely he bulked up a lot after he yeah. left. Like he he's bigger now than he was. Oh, he's a big dude, yeah. He's a, well, he is like he's a he like, even before he like totally bulked up, he still looked really imposing. Well, know? it was six. He's six foot five, six foot six. So he's he's tall. Like what are you our, six? You're six six, right? I'm six three. Six ten. Yeah, six ten. Wow, dude, that's really tall. <laughs> For comparison's sake, I'm very small. Yes, that one is something around the four foot mark, right? I don't even know if I'm four feet. <laughs> One day you hope to get there. That'd be good if I kind of grow during lockdown. You're like, oh my god! Like I'm looking up to four feet, boy. That'd be that's a dream, isn't it? You know, that's what they say. The lockdown growth spurt. That's that's what they call it. Pretty sure that's what they call it. Yeah. Yeah. So so he got to he got to WWE and he had a a decent run for a while and then he just kind of didn't. So obviously, as as we record this today, he is a current WWE champion. So things clearly got better. But for the longest time, it didn't look like it was going to go that way. So, so I wanted to to mold and and rebook the Drew McIntyre chosen one story from, like I say, two thousand nine, two thousand and ten, where Vince McMahon came out on an episode in SmackDown and introduced him under that moniker. 
But anyway, anyway, should we get um, should we get caught up? How did we get here? Uh, have you got anything you want to say about Drew in the meantime? Or yeah, dude, I'm actually like super excited about this because I was watching WWE at the time and mm. I saw Drew McIntyre come in because Drew McIntyre and Sheamus kind of came up to the main roster around about the same time. Yeah, they were buddies. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was super cool for you and me because we're like, hey, look, you know, they're yeah. Irish guy and Scottish guy, and they had the they had the accents as well. There's so like. You don't see or, or, or hear that kind of stuff on American television so much. So yeah. it was really, for you and me, we had like a whole like, it's like being at home, you know, it was a lovely. Yeah. And so I was a big fan of Drew McIntyre because his music was awesome. He had a really good look. He His finisher was fucking sick. Yeah, DDT. The future that show. fucking, yeah. yeah, that double arm DDT. Was I was awesome, like, this yeah. This guy's got some, he's got a lot of upsides, you know, and they made him the Intercontinental Champion. I'm like, I dig this. And then fucking, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. You know yeah, what I mean? like just um, suddenly everything fell apart for that dude. I'm like, this sucks, man. He he could have been something great, if only. If only, like if only he actually made that potential. But he, he made a you made a good point there with um you know these these guys that Drew McIntyre and Seamus coming on screen with their you know strong Irish and strong Scottish accents. It's the stuff we never actually saw, and like it's stuff that maybe like American audiences won't kind of uh, may not even understand because like you know it's an American wrestling company. But mm. like before Drew McIntyre. All, all Scotland had was the fucking Highlanders, uh, who, who were who weren't even Scottish. I don't think I, I can't even remember. But like or, obviously Roddy Piper, who was Canadian. Yeah, um, who also so, was. Yeah. I was gonna say Roddy <laughs> yeah. Piper would come out with a kilt and the yeah bagpipe like, music, and you're like, you're not. He's not even Scottish. No, he's not. It's a character, and like and. It was just rare to see a, a Scottish guy in WWE, and um, you know, obviously these days you've got loads of Scottish guys. Like, th- I think there was one point this year where, like, there was five Scottish champions in WWE because you had um, Drew McIntyre, you had um, is it Gallus? Um, oh, buddy, now it's going to test me. Joe, Joe Coffey and um, Wolfgang. Wolfgang, uh, yeah. And then you had Kay- Kaylee Ray, uh, NXT UK Women's Champion, and then Nikki uh, Cross was actually. Women's Cross. tag team champion. That, that's what it was. She was tag team champion, exactly. So like, she's awesome. That, she's, she's really good. Yeah, she's like so good. She's awesome. And like, yeah, it's got Scottish talents really coming, uh, coming ahead thanks to Drew. So, or maybe not thanks to Drew, but yeah, thanks to. It's thanks to you, Bryce. But it was all thanks to me, and they thank can thank you, making kayfabe. Yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, even um, even when Drew came back to like ICW, which is like the biggest kind of federation wrestling federation in scotland like it was just it was huge for scottish wrestling at that time because he's such a big name and such a big dude and like him coming from wwe and doing like a homecoming into glasgow was just like insane like it was really really cool so yeah he means um he means a lot to scottish people and uh, and and it, it means a lot to me it's cool to see a scottish guy kind of at wrestlemania and like winning the wwe title and stuff so yeah i wanted to I wanted to do a quick story on Drew and just uh, and rebook him and, and make him a, a big star before he was a big star, if that makes sense. Like back in 2009 before he got fired. So so we'll do a, a quick catch up uh, into the Drew McIntyre character and, and how we got here. I've already covered that Drew wrestled in the independent scene in Scotland and the UK. So we'll jump ahead a bit to 2006, where during one of WWE's United Kingdom tours, he attended a tryout camp where he faced his good buddy, Seamus O'Shaughnessy, obviously today known as Seamus uh, from Ireland. He impressed WWE officials. He was eventually signed in 2007, which was actually the year he officially debuted in WWE as well. Uh, and, and his first run, he was actually portrayed as a babyface alongside Dave Taylor, 
predominantly of WCW fame, um, although uh, Taylor also teamed with William Regal for a bit in WWE. But he, he wrestled a few matches on SmackDown. He was drafted to Raw and then was kind of shipped back to OVW uh, and later FCW for, for further development. OVW being, of course, Ohio Valley Wrestling, one of WWE's main developmental territories back in the day, which was then replaced by FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, which is kind of the, the NXT of the late to mid-2010s. So in both territories, he was part of a tag team called the Brit Pack with Stu Sanders, uh, a.k.a. Wade Bad News Barrett, which was later renamed Empire. Uh, the team would later split, sending McIntyre on a solo run in FCW, where he won their heavyweight title by defeating Eric Escobar. Don't worry, I forgot about him too. Traditionally, winning the FCW heavyweight title was the kind of the final step before going to WWE, which is, which is where Drew ended up. Seriously, I, I looked into the title history of the FCW heavyweight title, and out, out of the 17 champions, the only one who didn't make it to WWE in any form was Richie Steamboat, who unfortunately had to um, retire. So I Ricky Steamboat's son. Mm. But he made his return to WWE in August 2009 by attacking R-Truth, uh, not for the 24-7 title, as that wasn't a thing back then. And his character was now like a big old dirty heel, and, and he often walked around with a, a big scowl in his face. However, it was September of 2009 where, where big things happened for Drew McIntyre. On the, on the 25th of September, Vince McMahon came out to personally introduce McIntyre to the audience. He claimed Drew would be a future world champion, uh, he was right eventually, and that he, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, had personally signed him to WWE. He is simply badass, is a legitimate quote from Vince in, in, in this promo about McIntyre. But anyway, McIntyre comes out and he cuts a proper heelish promo. This was this was the week before the 10th anniversary of SmackDown, so Drew says that while WWE celebrate the stars of the past next week, after that, it will all be about him, which is a good line. And then R-Truth came out and attacked him, and that was that. So It's always the way it is. R-Truth is always the afterthought, huh? He's, he's always there. He's always there in some form, right? I'm going uh, to rebook that guy someday. Yeah, man, R-Truth would be great. Like, fucking love he, R-Truth. That's the, quick. That's the thing about R-Truth. I'm sorry to deviate. I'll, I'll make this quick. But that guy's so fucking good. Yeah. And he looks he's, amazing. Like that guy. He's ageless. Yeah. He doesn't look a day over. It's like since he debuted. Like he's a, like he's so good. I'm like that. There's a guy that really deserves more than he got out of. Yeah, I, I do. I do find it interesting. You compare it like you compare like K Quick to Our Truth in 2020, and it's the same. <laughs> exactly because he, like, he was going with the Hardcore Championship back in the day. He was. He was teaming the Road Dog, right? Yeah, I remember he that. He was man. getting rowdy. Do you remember that fucking song? I do. It's in my head now. <laughs> it Good is, rowdy. Like musically, it is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of it is a piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, Drew. I I don't want to like pull the wool over anyone's eyes here. Like Drew's, his chosen one run like wasn't a complete disaster. He accomplished a fair bit in his time under the gimmick. Like, he wrestled at numerous pay-per-views. He, he actually went on an undefeated streak for six months, which was ultimately ended by The Undertaker in March of 2010. He won the Intercontinental Championship. He feuded with like R-Truth. He feuded with John Morrison. Uh, John Morrison, who famously uh, came out dressed as William Wallace to provoke McIntyre, which I'm sure you guess was hilarious for everyone in Scotland. Oh, fuck, uh, I remember that so, now. I forgot so all funny. about that. So funny, yeah. But oh, hilarious, isn't it? Well, it's, it's uh, you know, I know exactly what that's like. 
Hans oh, Morgan chasing a pot of gold. Here comes the Irish guy. He's got a leprechaun. All right. You know. <laughs> it's, that's true. Right? <laughs> so fucking Finley. Like, you got Finley who could beat the shit out of every single guy in your roster. And you're like, let's yeah. just dick him around with a leprechaun. Let's make him a comedy character. Yeah. Like, anyway. Uh, anyway. If he feud with Finley as well, actually. And uh, Matt Hardy as well. But, you know, like, big, big names. And uh, it's not like he, WWE made him like the jobber to the stars or anything like that, you know. Even uh, even won the tag team titles with Cody Rhodes, in fact, believe it or not, um, which I had to double check as well because I don't remember that, but it oh, happened. Oh yeah. yeah, I also forgot about that. Drew and Cody, there you go. So, but yeah, the, the kicker is that it was just kind of like it was just kind of there. There was never really seemed to be anything special about him. Like for for the longest time, he was just another bland heel in the roster, getting the the water treatment from the fans, you know, mm-hmm. and and. That became apparently as his career kind of continues into 2011, where where WWE they completely lost any hope they had in him. Like he was involved in a lot of kind of awful storylines, like, like one where he tried to like woo Kelly Kelly. He went on a losing streak when he lost to guys like fucking Brodus Clay, uh, Santino Marella, Justin Gabriel. Um, he was actually fired in storyline by Teddy Long uh, for being terrible. Uh, before. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really the reason? Yeah, it was something like that. It's because he was on a losing streak, so Teddy Long just fired him. I like and- how Vince McMahon said, you're the chosen one, and Teddy Long said, you can't <laughs> fucking wrestle. Hold on a minute, player. <laughs> <laughs> But he was uh, he was eventually reinstated by John Laurinaitis when he was the GM. <laughs> Johnny uh, Ace was like, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Ace said, no, I think you're a talented man. And I, Johnny Ace, have never got anything like this wrong in my entire life. <laughs> well, you know what the best thing is? You know what he did after that? I mean, he married Johnny Ace? No, almost. I mean, close. Almost? But... <laughs> he, he went on to form. He went on to form three man bands with future oh. world champion Jinder Mahal and, and, and Heath Slater. <laughs> you think about you think about this, son. What if Johnny Ace was their manager? Oh man, that would have been good. Like, <laughs> four man band then, right? But now like from what I've um, from what I looked into and what I read, like it, it might partly be uh, it might partly be WWE's fault, but Drew, he actually does take a lot of blame for it as well. Apparently, uh, according to the, his documentary in the WWE Network, he was going through a divorce at the time and like he was drinking a lot and, and basically not putting much work in his, into his career. So he actually felt that he let Vince McMahon down uh, but by, by not living up to his hype. But in a perfect world, I'd have brooked uh, Drew McIntyre differently from the start of his chosen one story. And I, I'd really have zoned in on that kind of chosen one character. So if you'll let me, I'd like to go ahead and, and make a little kayfabe. So you're not rebooking the three-man band? Three-man band has nothing to do with this at all. I gotta say, dude, I'm a little disappointed. Yes, <laughs> this story is suddenly not living up to the hype. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, Jinder Mahal in the mix. Sign me up, buddy. I'm his biggest fan. And then you pull the rug out from under me. If you add Jinder Mahal to the mix, your, your chances of winning drastic go down. So... <laughs> 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 What should have happened? So, Drew McIntyre is the chosen one. So that that's going to be the starting point for this rebooking. It's a point where Drew's his stock rose big time, and it's a point where, in my opinion, if WWE had kept up the momentum, Drew would have reached megastardom about ten years earlier than he actually did. 
So, Mr. McMahon, obviously one of the most hated characters in WWE television. In, in, in his promo announcing Drew as the chosen one, he says that she reminds me a lot of me, quite frankly. Uh, he was personally signed by Mr. McMahon to SmackDown, so a lot of Vince's stock is going to be in Drew from the very start. That said, he's going to be target number uno for any superstar on the roster who, who wants to be in that spotlight. So, just think about it. Like, if you're the first one to beat the chosen one, chosen by the CEO himself, maybe that'll make you the chosen one, uh, and Mr. McMahon will favour you instead of McIntyre, and, and you'll make all the sweet cast others. So, from week one, every non-established superstar is, is looking for a match against McIntyre. Everybody wants a shot. So, essentially, the pressure has been forced upon Drew, like, massively. And in 2009, he was only 24 years old, and, like, do you know how many people in WWE these days even make their television debut by 24 years old? We didn't. Well, we we didn't. No, we're still waiting for that call. But yeah, yeah. But basically, from from memory, Dominic Mysterio is basically it. Like, especially these days. So like, it's... Well, yeah, these days probably Dom. Yeah, he's probably the youngest guy in the fucking uh, main roster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Generally, you'll find that guys sit in NXT for like six or eight years before they come up to the main roster and by that time they're like you know in their 30s but but yeah basically Drew's a young guy in 2009 and the pressure is on like Drew, Drew has to perform in these matchups you know he has to he has to prove that Mr. McMahon was right to back him up and that's how we're going to kick things off so superstars are going to be coming for Drew and he's going to be in these matches every week so we'll start small so on the Smackdown roster in 2009 you've got your Jimmy Wang Yangs, you've got your Brian Kendricks, you've even got your Scotty Goldmans. Remember him? I do. And I remember because he fought Brian Kendrick. It, did the he? Brian Kendrick. I don't know if this has been said on this show, but I am a huge Brian Kendrick fan. I dude, fucking dude. love that dude. I might rebook him at some point. Dude, um, not, not a word of a lie. Like, it is in, it's in my plans to rebook Brian Kendrick after he won the WWE Championship. Mm-hmm. Like you know, in that kind of like the six six six, six pack scramble match, yeah, like, yeah. Like, but just if he ended that match as WWE champion, but like I digress. Like Scotty Goldman obviously was. Oh, Cole Cabana, or our, our old friend. We we've met Cole Cabana. We we've met Cole Cabana. Yeah, he's a he's a good friend of ours. Uh, he's a Edinburgh fringe show. We've been to a few of them, but uh, We're basically but best friends. Basically best friends. He, he he always um he always talks about us now. He's like, uh, remember Bryson Dillon from. From that one one show out of twenty eight shows at Edinburgh Fringe, yeah, they were good guys. We are good guys, it's true. Yeah, we're great guys, but but yeah, that that's who we're gonna kick Drew off against. So smaller kind of like smaller uh, time kind of talent, but and this is this is a huge but. Like right from the word go, you can tell that the guy is struggling. He's struggling big time with the pressure that's been put on him to to the extent where Drew is almost gonna be bested by these roster members who, like, at the time, you'd assume that he'd be beating. He has a legitimately difficult time in putting these guys away, and and most matches, you know, which you'd assume to be squashes, are lasting, like, 15, 20 minutes, with each participant, you know, getting an equal amount of offense. So, and in these matches, Drew, he does always come out with the win, but... He usually gets it in the end through kind of unscrupulous kind of means, uh, whether that's like pulling the tights of a roll-up, whether it's uh, putting his feet on the ropes, you know, a poke to the eye or a low blow behind the ref's back before he kind of hits his DDT finish, like stuff like that. And, and basically, he's been taken to the limit every time. 
And it's not immediately obvious that these guys he's fighting wouldn't have beaten Drew if it wasn't for these dodgy tactics. You know, your Jimmy Wang Yangs, your 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 Funakis, for example, for example. So, and and here's one thing to note: like, right? so you can tell during the match that Drew is just shitting himself. Like, as the match goes on and and the opponents keep kicking out of whatever move he hits them with. You can see it on his face that he's hopelessly lost. He's terrified of letting Mr. McMahon down because, like I said, the pressure is completely on him. It's not. It's not on the guys like Kizarni or like fucking Kizarni. <laughs> well, here's another one, Slam Master J. Um, oh man, boy, this is a fucking. This is amazing. This is a plasma prime main cafe material let me tell you <laughs> good god boy they gave us a lot of material around that time it was some it's real making, shit on television you know it's a making cafe breeding ground honestly it's but, a cafe tombola it's a yeah pretty much is <laughs> you can take it anywhere from 2009 put them in cafe tombola but but yeah like the pressure it's all on drew mcintyre and and that's what's going to be making these matches great because after two or three of them like you're generally going to be expecting that somebody like you know funaki uh, is going to be getting the the win over the chosen one, you know. And Drew's Drew's facial expressions of dread uh, they give away exactly how he's feeling during the match. Funaki, who I think was actually called Kung Funaki uh, back back then, but <laughs> hey, great pun. But once the bell rings and he's declared as the winner by winning the match, you know, under unscrupulous means. The cocky swagger comes back immediately, and like he thinks he's the greatest thing to greatest professional wrestler. And like after each match, we're going to get the guy cutting promos like it was the easiest match in the world, and and whoever he just beat didn't belong in the same ring as him. Of course, everyone in the crowd, everyone watching on TV, they know that's complete bullshit. That on another night in a fair fight, yeah, um, maybe these guys would have beaten Drew, but he doesn't sell that at all because you know. He's a detestable bastard heel. And from a talent development perspective, like we're going to do this for a while for two reasons. So reason one, it's, it's given Drew kind of valuable in-ring live television experience in, in these 15, 20-minute matches every week. You know, he'll be learning every week uh, outside of kayfabe how to put a match together and how to get the audience involved. And the, the second reason is that we're going to get him, we're, we're going to get him experience in cutting promos, which he's going to do after every match. I mean, his promos weren't fantastic back then. And, and again, it's all going to be in front of a live audience. So it's going to help the guy grow and mold his character every week. But from a character development perspective, we're really getting the fans to hate this guy and, and cast him as you know a rookie who who is talented, but you know he may just be in over his head. Uh, the thing we're trying to get across is that he's a he's a newbie, and, and though his potential might be unlimited, he isn't like a, a Brock Lesnar or a Kurt Angle, like somebody who picks it up instantly. It's clearly somebody who needs to be um, who needs more experience and who needs to kind of fine tune his skills or you know find that anger that makes him the beast that he is in twenty twenty. So. So maybe we can have like some segments of him talking to Vince backstage, etc., like sucking up to him, kissing his ass, you know, putting himself over that he's uh, kind of on an unstoppable winning streak uh, and the superstars are kind of simply falling in his wake. But at some point you can have Vince start to be, you know, not so sure about his talents anymore. Like young Drew, he can be saying all these things to big himself up to the CEO, but Vince just gives him a look kind of like, you know, all right, buddy, whatever you say kind of thing. And Drew notices that, and the pressure starts to build on on, on him even further. You know, is Vince losing his trust in me? You know, what if he thinks that I'm not the chosen one? So we do that for a while. Essentially, we're building a few things here. So we're building that, one, Drew can go in the ring 
Uh, he's hanging in there in these hard-fought matches, but he's winning them by cheating. Two, despite this, after each match, he's cutting annoying promos about how he's the greatest ever. And three, all the while, we start to see the pressure is getting through, where, where during matches, his frustration is growing big time. Like, you know, maybe, maybe 10 minutes into the match, he's starting to really show how pissed off he's getting that he can't beat his opponent easily. You know, he's kicking the ring steps, he's slapping the mat, he's tearing off the turnbuckle, that kind of thing. Like, just really showing his rage. And now, eventually, after we've established these things and made Drew an every week part of SmackDown, we're going to get somebody in to uh, make Drew a star. Somebody who's always keen to put new stars over. Somebody who jobs to Fandangle at WrestleMania once upon a time. And when Hulk I say... Hogan. Okay. <laughs> it's Hulk Hogan. The zombie. Um, <laughs> zombie Hulk Hogan. Yeah, AKA Hulk exactly. Hogan. <laughs> Regular Hulk Hogan. And when I say like, when I say bring in, like, he, he was already on the SmackDown roster in 2009, so it's something that absolutely could have happened. I'm talking about Chris Jericho, who, yeah. for the intentions of the storyline, is going to be a babyface, which isn't hard because everyone loves Chris Jericho, uh, apart from when he plays a gig at an unmasked biker rally during a global <laughs> yeah. pandemic. Ooh. Except when he's a horrible Republican who donated yeah. to Donald Trump's fucking re-election program. Yeah, all, all of the above, basically. But, but in yeah. ring, he's fucking great. Greatest of all time, like definitely. He's definitely in the conversation, the greatest of all time, I would say. But yeah, anyway, Drew's going to be cutting one of these kind of piece of shit promos after another hard-fought match. But then, break down the walls, he's interrupted by Chris Jericho, a legend of the business who's about to call him out. So Jericho, he's got a mic, and I've written a, a little part of his promo here. So he says, Drew McIntyre, I hear they call you the chosen one, but what exactly have you been chosen for? Were you chosen as somebody who makes himself look like a jackass every week in SmackDown? You see, Funaki, Kazarni, Scotty Goldman, they're all fine wrestlers, but they're no Y2G. They're no Chris Jericho. They're no Ayatollah of rock and roll. So at the next pay-per-view this Sunday, it's going to be Chris Jericho versus Drew McIntyre. And there's going to be a little stipulation added. We are going to have two referees just to make sure there's definitely no cheating going on. And Drew looks mortified. Two referees. It means that he's going to have one more set of eyes on him as, as he grabs the tights during a pin or when he's going for a low blow. You know, he's not going to get away with that anymore. And to make matters worse, he's facing Chris Jericho. At this point, a multiple-time heavyweight tag team Intercontinental Champion. Um, you know, this little punk's career is about to unravel before his eyes for all the world to see. And so here comes the match at the next pay-per-view. So... For the sake of reference, this should be about maybe three or four months into the Chosen One gimmick. So this would either be Survivor Series 2009 or TLC 2009. So the match happens and you've got Drew McIntyre versus Chris Jericho. And Drew's lack of confidence is very much showing now. Like like Jericho said, it's not Finaki. It's the real deal Chris Jericho. And as expected, with two referees there, Jericho is in complete control of the match. He, he's a veteran. He knows all the counters to all the shit that rookie McIntyre is going to try on him. But here's the craziest thing. In the match, while beating him down, Jericho is getting in McIntyre's face. He's, he's screaming at him. He's demeaning him. You know, the camera would pick him up saying things like, you know, you're just another cookie-cutter rookie. You're called the chosen one, but it doesn't mean anything. You're weak, you're pitiful, and the whole world is seeing it. I'm going to make you the frozen one by the time I'm finished with you because your career isn't going anywhere after this. And Chris Jericho, he slaps Drew McIntyre hard around the ear and 
all of a sudden the tide changes. The, the look in Drew's face is now completely different. Like gone is the defeatist expression. It explodes up to his feet and sends Jericho flying in the air with a massive European uppercut. The, the cameras catch Jericho as he falls, and we can see that it kind of knocked him completely loopy. Jericho, he gets up to his feet, and he's instantly met with a big boot uh, as we get a look in the eyes of Drew, who is pissed off. This is a completely different Drew. And he pulls Jericho back to his feet. Best venture in the business, Future Shock DDT. One, two, three. The chosen one is beating Chris Jericho decisively in the middle of the ring. Like No need for a second referee here. That There was no cheating involved. Both referees, they raised Drew's hand in victory and there's no post-match promo now because Drew, he's got a lot to think about after what's just transpired. And now this is where things get really fucking scary because in this moment, on this exact day, Drew McIntyre realises how good he actually is. He realises his powers. He's, he's much better than he thought he was. And, and now he knows exactly what he has to do what he has to tap into to bring that side out of him. You know, the match with Jericho, it's, it's, it's unlocked the confidence in Drew's head and now, now he's very fucking aware of it and the perception has changed. That is his perception towards himself uh, and seeing what he did to Jericho uh, and the perception of the fans towards him also. Like, essentially, shit just got real. And now this is where we really build Drew up. The Drew that once was, we don't want fans to forget about him, but, you know, we want them to know what Drew was. So over the weeks, um, you know, over the weeks and months, you're, you're gonna we're gonna see this kid turn into a man in front of our very eyes. Like I don't know if you remember much about his his run in 2009, but like you remember what he looked like, right? Compared to what he looks like now. In fact, yeah. you mentioned it earlier actually. He's yeah, he's he, yeah, he's got the he's, he was clean shaven. He's he's got a kind of baby face, right and high like baby face, as in like facial features, oh, something like that. It's true. That's exactly the way you describe him. You'd be like, look at his little baby face. Yeah, he, he looked so young, and he was. He was 24. But, you know, like, he waxed his chest. He went crazy with the baby, all that kind of stuff. And, like, but at, at this point, I'd, I'd change him. You know, I change his look to something more like what we're seeing of Drew McIntyre in 2020. Like, dye his hair jet black, like, grow out the beard, chest hair, you know, you know, stupid, sexy McIntyre. Like, make him a fucking badass kind of thing, you know? And, and also, like, I've got, got it here as well. Bring back that theme music. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're talking last week about how awesome, like, Test Entrance music was, despite not being able to understand the lyrics. But, like, do you remember Drew's entrance theme before he came back to NXT with the fucking, like, banging drums and bagpipes? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, that was a banging tune. I dream broken dreams. Like it's a oh, it's a fucking like, which I thought misheard Lucas again. But until I researched this episode, I always thought it said nineteen broken dreams. Uh, I was like, why nineteen? But yeah, that's but, so funny because uh, I was just about to ask. Since you brought up Tessie music, I was literally just about to ask if you'd rewritten Drew McIntyre's <laughs> music as well, and uh, you kind of did. Yeah, we're, we're we're making out. We're making a thing of this now. This is a bit now. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, I'll put. Um, I'm going to play a clip in the episode uh, in the podcast. Like you know, the Kate Fabers. You, you've got to hear this if you haven't already, or or at least be reminded of how epic it is. What 
But yes, I digress. That's not the end of my rebooking of Drew because now the guy's a fucking monster and he needs a gimmick, a purpose, a reason for being. So here's what I had in mind. So on the first episode of SmackDown after Survivor Series, Drew's going to come down to the ring, you know, fully suited and booted. You know, he's going to have a he's going to have a sheet of paper in his hand. Now, there, there's definitely writing on this piece of paper, but we can't make it out. Like one side, one side seems to be printed. And one side seems to be handwriting, weirdly. But as it stands, it's, it's illegible because the camera can't get a good shot of it. What's in the piece of paper? Is, is it a contract from Raw? Is it a letter of appreciation from Vince McMahon? You know, it's none of those things. So Drew, he starts his promo talking about his match against Jericho. But eventually, he's going to address the elephant in the room. It's time to reveal exactly what's on this piece of paper. So Drew says, he says, Here is an email I got from WWE who were going to fire me on the night of Survivor Series, five minutes into the match, where Jericho thought he had my number. The pencil neck geeks at WWE headquarters, they sent me this note of dismissal, telling me that I had been released from my contract. I mean, first of all, an email. Nobody was brave enough to say it to my face. But then, oh then, it gets better. After I decimated Chris Jericho, I got an instant follow-up saying, please disregard. Now I've taken the liberty of printing this out onto a piece of paper, and I'm going to take it with me everywhere I go, so that the fire that burned in me when Y2J slapped me at Survivor Series keeps on burning. And, ladies and gentlemen, I am not done. You see, I'm not a wasteful guy. I saw this email I printed out, and, and I noticed that on the back was just a blank sheet of paper. You might recall when Vince McMahon dubbed me the chosen one, everybody wanted a piece of the young hotshot rookie. Everybody wanted to be the chosen one. Well, now is your chance. I have taken the liberty of listing every single member of the SmackDown roster on the back of my dismissal email, and I'm going to make it my duty to cross off every single person on this list to show you all the new Drew. And tonight, I'm going to start with you, AJ Lee. Okay, not really AJ Lee, but like re- realistically, like <laughs> I thought you, I really thought you were gonna go with Kung Finaki. <laughs> start with F, like <laughs> yeah. Start, start. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pick them at random. Yeah, <laughs> but but realistically, let, let's say it's um, let's say it's someone like Alex Riley. You know, begins with a bit of a jobber, so. So, aye, the, the, the WWE roster in 2009-2010, it, it goes pretty well for this storyline, actually, um, alphabetically, because you can start with perhaps like lesser talent like Alex Riley, Brodus Clay, for example, and you'll have Drew just dominating them every week. Um, after every match, he's, he's going to make a thing uh, of pulling his list out with a pen and scoring off a name, so the name that he's just beat kind of thing. But not not too not too long ago, everyone in the SmackDown roster wanted so bad to be the chosen one, and and well, like now they can be because Drew is going to make them the chosen one because they're all on the list, and he'll choose whoever is next. So soon he's going to get to the letter C, and you know you got Carlito, Charlie Haas, and then 
in perfect time, you're right back to Chris Jericho. So once McIntyre is disposed of like Charlie Hoss or something, like we're going to get Drew on the mic again, and he's going to get the camera to zoom into the list. So Chris Jericho, he's next in the list, and, and Drew's going to play the, the cocky bastard role again. Like I guess we can all agree that I've already dispatched of the has-been Chris Jericho. Uh, and then, of course, because this is wrestling, uh, we're going to get Jericho coming out to interrupt him. So this time, Jericho is much more wary, and though he's, he's not a fan of McIntyre at all, he's, he's respectful. You know, he knows how he got knocked out by Drew McIntyre and basically kick-started his whole reign of terror, and he's going to admit this and admit that he underestimated Drew's talents, but he's demanding that his name isn't crossed off the list just yet, because this time, he's going to be, he's going to be ready. Drew McIntyre, he accepts the match. And at the next big show, we've got McIntyre versus Jericho 2. So we'll have the match, and Drew's going to go one-on-one with Jericho. He's going to go over again, but he's going to have a slightly harder time of doing it. So Chris Jericho, he, he's ready this time. So Drew McIntyre really needs to prove that he can beat Chris Jericho, you know, former, former undisputed champion at his best. And this is where you can turn Drew into like a, a lean, mean, kind of like great match having machine because Jericho is the perfect guy to learn from and and in time Drew's gonna he's gonna power out of what was Jericho attempt and Jericho's gonna eat another future shock DDT one two three Drew has once again proven why he is called the chosen one so then Drew's gonna continue his reign of terror like you don't have to rush anything in this storyline you know just just for the love of God keep it consistent because you're not gonna condition the audience to Drew's superstardom if you only you know feature that list sometimes but Seriously, this would be a compelling story. Um, you've got Drew McIntyre, huge fucking dude, walking around with a, a list of the superstars he's going to destroy, which is li- written, which is written on the back of an email, which was inches away from you know resulting in his dismissal from WWE. He's got it written on the back of his uh, his pink slip, you know, and, and an act of defiance against the company that almost fired him. And eventually, it's going to end up at, at one particular superstar at the end of the list, begging to be brought forward so that he can kick Drew's ass. You know, towards the end of the alphabet, you've got guys like Randy Orton, you've got Shawn Michaels, you've got Triple H, you've got The Undertaker, and you know, one of these guys would be perfect to take Drew to the next level. And and that that's where we're going to end our story today, actually, because I've given Drew, I've given Drew a platform where the sky is literally the limit for him. You know. He can continue to, to work his way through the list. Like maybe maybe sometimes he doesn't succeed in the first time for guys like Undertaker, for example, but you know, then he gives it another go six months later and he beats Undertaker. You know, maybe someone makes their own list and starts competing with Drew. Um and, and down the line, like when when Drew's SmackDown list is complete, you know, where does he go next? Is he world champion by this stage? Like, does he need to move to the Raw roster and do something similar um, with a whole pool of new talent for him to cross off the list, you know? And, and the possibilities are endless. And in time, like, in time, this will get Drew to the level where he is in 2020. Um, no free MB needed. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I liked, there was a lot that I liked in that. Like, first of all, whenever you had Drew McIntyre come in, he was the chosen one. And then he did this little angle where... You know, it could kind of like if you beat the chosen one, then you're the chosen one, right? That makes sense. Mm. Like, that does make sense, dude. That makes so much sense. They didn't even think of doing something like that. No. Didn't that even. Was, like, that's so obvious. It was just a name. It was literally right. just a name. That Nothing else to it. Just the chosen one is his name. That's it. Right. They could have turned it into a cool gimmick and they didn't. Um, 
I like the idea of Drew McIntyre like being that cocky heel who's unsure of himself in the ring. Mm. You know, I like that where he just kind of wins based on like, you know, cheating or luck or because he's in Vince McMahon's pocket. Like, I think that's a good angle. And him fighting Jericho makes sense. Speaking of Chris Jericho, are you are you his writer? Because you were writing some of his uh, promos and now uh, Drew McIntyre has a list very similar to Chris Jericho. (laughs) I mean, you could you could be Chris Jericho's writer. He's I a busy that. man, you know. Maybe Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho, who, by the way, we have um, been outranked. Um, so we have outranked Chris Jericho on on one of our listeners' uh, Spotify uh, best ofs. So there you go. I mean, that's simply because we are better than Chris Jericho. We are, yeah. <laughs> and that's just a fact, you know. Um, Facts of life, baby. Yeah, dude, he should be writing for you, and then yeah, we're. Exactly. Be- and then you'll be like, fuck you. We write our own stuff over here. See you later, Chris Jericho. Uh, you just made the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you actually make a good point. This was before Chris Jericho's list. But my list idea was it. just... Um, yeah, that's, he's... That's where he stole it from. He Like, Drew McIntyre was <laughs> going to do this in real life. And Jericho said, listen to me, kid. And you'll go far. And then Jericho sabotaged Drew McIntyre. Then stole his idea years later. And then <laughs> that's, that's exactly what happened. The list of McIntyre. But I do, and like realistically, I do like that. I oh, I love the idea of the email. Mm. I think that's such a good idea of him like printing out this email and being like, "I was about to get fired in the match, and uh, I turned it around. I did that because I'm the chosen one. I turned it around, and I'm never gonna forget this injustice. Here's the letter that I printed out. I'll, ne- I'll you know, I'm gonna carry this with me forever. I mm. Really like that part. I thought that's really clever. Because like that's that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like that's such a like, and that's that's a little kind of thing that people don't they don't touch that. Nobody nobody does that. Yeah, but that's a great angle that works these days in the computer age with like emails and and shit like that. Like they don't ever talk about shit like this. Yeah, exactly. It is it's real as well because like uh, you know many many people have been fired at some point in their life, and you know right. some of it. Some of it actually does happen through email or through like, you know, fax or, you know, whatever. So, you know, it does happen. Like you've got every, he's got every right to be pissed off at this stage because they were going to fire him. He was, he was winning matches, but, you know, as soon as he gets, you know, beaten down by Jericho, they're thinking like, oh, fuck it, you know, let's just get rid of this guy kind of thing. And then he beats Jericho and then they have to eat their words and say, send an email saying, "Um, no, sorry, disregard, you know. So yeah, it it brings that kind of realism to to it as well. And again, makes that kind of like, you know, makes a character 3D, um, which again yeah. is kind of what we do here. But yeah, give him something. Give him there is a reason to care, to connect to him. You know, he's a bad guy, but you can you can still connect to a bad guy. You know, you know, you can still believe that. You know, although he's a dick, he's somewhat right. So yeah, mm-hmm. like that's and it. And then the bit, and then like the whole list of him going down the people. I'm like, where is he going with this? But then once you said it out loud, it all made sense. Like obviously, the guy at the end of the list would be the Undertaker. Yeah, I'm like. You know, because then that way it like actually properly leads to a match with the Undertaker down the yeah. line. So like There's it's not just like, yeah. hey Undertaker, I'm coming to get you. Taker's like, I don't fucking care. It <laughs> actually like you know it actually makes sense, and you like you can see the timeline. He's gonna be like, I'm gonna work my way through the list. And I don't know how long it's gonna take me. Could take me six months. Could take me a year. Mm. But the end of the list is the Undertaker. So the end end game of this is I'm coming for the Undertaker. You don't know when it's gonna be. I don't know when it's gonna be. It's just when it happens, it happens, you know, yeah. and then that way you can just book to like a WrestleMania two years in the future, you know? Yeah. 
exactly like and it's like i say you don't have to rush it you can just like you're saying as well you can make it six months you can make a year you can do this for as long as you want he's a young guy like and just all you're doing is putting him on television every week and you know and, and making the fans familiar with him and familiar with you know what his message is and what his kind of uh, motivations are so that can only be good so i had a, I had, a I had a lot of fun writing that and um yeah um hopefully i've done a, a fellow scotsman proud but how do you, uh, Dylan, of the Making Kayfabe podcast, how do you fancy a little bit of Kayfabe Tombola? Uh, did Chris Jericho write it? Y- yes. Sort like, of. You look at the email and it's like, not Chris Jericho at AEW.com. <laughs> <laughs> Would you believe it? We actually have another fan submitted, Kefir Tambola. Like, Is it so, Chris Jericho? From, from not Chris Jericho, EW.com. Oh, sorry, like. Of course, sorry. <laughs> This one comes from Andy McEwen, uh, who has been kind enough to, to give us four names and four situations for this week. If this is your first time listening to Making Kayfabe, Kayfabe Tambola is a fun little game we play towards the end of each episode, uh, which has received just absolute fucking critical acclaim. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I'm the host of the episode today, I, I have four names from the wrestling world and four situations numbered 1 to 4 and lettered A to D and very shortly Dylan is going to be giving me a number letter combination such as, I don't know, a 4B or a 2C. When he does I'll let him know the wrestler and the situation that he's picked and Dylan will have 60 seconds, 1 minute to come up with the best storyline possible with that combination on the spot. So Dylan, tell me, are, are you feeling lucky today? I feel lucky every day. Are you uh, feeling particularly lucky today in this moment? No. Right. Well, But, you know, that's no different from any other week. So <laughs> it should can go you, swimmingly. <laughs> can you give me your number letter combination? What do you got? I'm going to go for your, your standard piece of paper, the A4. The A4. Okay, okay. Your standard uh, piece of paper, I think you'll find. You know, well, nobody yeah, goes. I mean, nobody goes for A3. It's too big. I don't know. A- A5 makes a good notebook, though, right? But we don't go to A5, unfortunately. Well, it's, it's not. It's not standard, is it? You know. Ridiculous. All right. So A. Sorry. A4. So let me tell you who you could have had. Okay. So from the wrestlers. Chris Jericho. Are they all Chris Jericho? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is Chris Jericho. Um, now, from the wrestlers. So this is what Andy McEwen's uh, picked for us. You could have had Jesse the Body Ventura. Ooh. You could have had <laughs> WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump. Oh, thank fuck I didn't pick him. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. I would have just flat out refused. <laughs> refused. It's going to be another one. <laughs> um, you could have had, and you would have liked this one, you could have had Shane Douglas. Oh, do I love Shane Douglas. But who you actually, who you actually got was... Paul Bearer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you choose uh, four. So your situations that you could have had oh God. are Paul Bearer slowly transforms himself into a wizard that is able to mind control other wrestlers. Uh, he was kind of like that anyway. I mean, yeah, sort of. Like He had the urn. The, the like, urn? So, he would control yeah. the Undertaker? Yeah, pretty much. But he wasn't a wizard though, was he? I mean, that's part of being a wizard. They don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's part of wizard school is being yeah, able but... to have an urn that is magical. 
they didn't call him like you know bearer of the waves or bearer of the grey. If the urn was magical and he controlled the urn, he would be the wizard of the urn technically. So he. Well, you was... didn't get that one, so. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Can I can I do that one as well? I'll do two. <laughs> An extra. Yeah. You also, you also could have had, visits a zoo and is bitten by a radioactive snake, giving him the powers and mannerisms of a snake. Okay, this 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 is uh. This is some left field shit so far, but keep going. <laughs> you could have had, and this is a this is this is this, this, this is one. You could have had makes a return at the Royal Rumble, wins it, and fights Gradle for the title at WrestleMania in a Springburn Rules match. Uh, incidentally, I, I do believe that the fella who gave us these suggestions is Scottish. So yeah. Can you Great. imagine the state of wrestling if a, a long dead Paul Bearer came back? <laughs> To win the Royal Rumble, only to fight Greedo at WrestleMania. Like yeah, spring, some, yeah, something Springburn Rose match. <laughs> it's gone either really wrong or really right. Do you know what a Springburn Rose match is? I don't know. A ladder match? I don't actually know either. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Springburn is in Glasgow, uh, so I know that much. But I mean, remember you get these um, these kind of street fights. It's like a I forgot what they call them in WWE. It's like a uh, a Dallas street fight or something like that. So yeah. I think it's like uh, taking uh, taking that that kind of influence from that. So I'd imagine it's like an extreme. They what? A New Mexico bloodbath match. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, but you didn't get that. No. What you did get uh -oh. was, and this is going to be a good one, uh. Paul Bearer mm -hmm. steals Vince McMahon's socks, making Vince really pissed off. So they have a socks on a pole match where they have to get both socks from two different poles to win. Okay. Hang on, that's kind of long. Yeah, do you want me to read that again? Let me <laughs> just, I'm going to kind of take clip notes. Okay, so Paul Bearer. You got your A4 piece of paper there. I actually it's, fucking do. I always standard, have a, yeah. <laughs> always have a standard piece of paper. Not A5. It's too small. It's ridiculous. But A4, good to have around the house. Paul Bear <laughs> um, steals socks from Vince. Yep, steals Vince McMahon's socks. So that makes Vince very angry, obviously. Uh, so so angry, in fact, that he's going to put his own socks on poles. On a po yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you got it so far. <laughs> but I mean, that's my issue. Vince is so angry that somebody else stole his socks that he took his own socks and put them on poles well no because the socks are so stolen so he's not got them oh it's 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 the stolen he's socks that are on the pole yeah and he couldn't afford to get a new pair of socks catch up though and god <laughs> poor Vince man can't even afford socks so and uh, it results in him having a, a a socks on a pole match with both socks on two different poles okay so you've got a you've got a minute to um, you know you could not ask for better choices here. You, you've got a minute to um, let us know how that how that comes about and, and kind of what happens in it. So, are you ready? Yes, I am. You're ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. right, okay. I'm going to give you a countdown. Thank so you. Paul Bearer steals Vince McMahon's socks, making Vince very pissed off. So they have a socks on a pole match where they have to get both socks from two different poles to win. You've got 60 seconds, my friend, to give me a good storyline surrounding that in three, two, one, go. 
So Paul Bearer is an old manager. Back in the day, they were all well known for ribs and pulling pranks and stuff. And Paul Bearer was no different. So one day he decides to pull a, a rib on Vince McMahon, but he gets the cameraman involved. He's like, film this, it'll be hilarious. So he goes into Vince McMahon's office and takes his socks and like hides them. So they're all watching the locker room and Vince comes in and goes, God damn it, pal, where's my fucking socks? <laughs> and then Paul Bearer's like, ha, ah, great joke, wasn't it? But then Vince McMahon's like, no, those socks were given to me by my great, great grandmother. Those are, um, <laughs> Socks that came from our homeland of Geneva. We need. I need those socks back. They're very sentimental to me. And Paul Bear is like, "Oh, I uh, don't. I don't know where they are." And Vince is like, "That's it. I'm so fucking pissed that I. We got to settle this like men. And the only way men settle matches is by putting whatever is in dispute up on poles in the wrestling ring, and then we can't climb the poles and get them. And Paul Bear is like, "It's complicated. I don't understand." And Vince is like, "Fine. It's settled. It happened to WrestleMania." And Paul Bear's like, what? So then they have this match at WrestleMania and Vince McMahon <laughs> so. is like, he's climbing the poles quicker than Paul Bear. But then Undertaker comes out and he puts Paul Bear on his shoulders because <laughs> Undertaker's like eight feet, feet, 18, 16 feet tall. And he lifts up Paul Bear and Paul Bear pulls the socks down and Vince McMahon's like, God damn it, pal. Now you've taken my socks. I look like an idiot in WrestleMania. And then he shaves his head. <laughs> Just because. <hey. laughs> Your time definitely ended like twenty seconds ago, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop you there. Like, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't interrupt your run there because you had something there. So, so that was a, a unique uh, one minute and twenty second tombola. But <laughs> well, that was really good. That was um, that wasn't an easy one to come up with. Like, yeah, was, uh... it, it kind of came together like pretty, pretty well. That's what I, I, think I had, they do, I had though, the idea like... of Undertaker putting Paul Bear on his shoulders, and that killed me. So I'm like, all right, I can, I can. I could work something with this, you know. You got something to to lead up to, yeah. But that that's what I found with Kayfabe Tambola. Like when you when you when you're under the pressure, it just kind of builds on itself, and it just like ideas like pop into your head because you don't have a choice but to to think about them. So like you know whatever you have in your head just immediately comes out your mouth kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, but, you <laughs> just you have to fucking roll with it. And then it's so cool sometimes when you do it. Like you have one idea, so you're like, all I have to do is get to that idea, right? Yeah, exactly. Then, you got to find a way. <laughs> and then just stuff comes out of your mouth, and you're like this is amazing how do they come up with this shit you know like you can hear it happening and you're like wow this kind of makes sense but it's all like you know you didn't think about it you just gotta knock it out famously like some of the best stories in making kayfabe have come from kayfabe tombola like just rob van damme the cowboy the space cowboy like <laughs> still the best like, one right melina the well, fighter pilot the fucking the mighty one still kills me oh, the, mighty, the, 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 the maple syrup mayhem match yeah, yeah that's <laughs> so good oh man that was that was fun. I always enjoyed doing that. Mm. But yeah, thank you again to Andy for these. Um, if you want to what submit, was his a name? sorry, Andy McEwen. You know that's an anagram of Chris Jericho. Ah, oh, of course it is. Why didn't we think about that? Uh, Andy, um, no, that's great, man. Thanks for that. If you if you want to submit a kayfabe tombola for the episode, uh, DM us on Twitter at making kayfabe or email us at making kayfabe at gmail.com and uh, see what you can come up with for us. So. That's the episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our, our rebooking of Drew McIntyre and uh, oh my god, there's only one episode left in season two. Honestly guys, it's it's been so amazing having your support and we love you guys listening to this. It, it means the world to us to have you on board. Dylan's got one final episode to wrap up season two next week, but do not worry. We're gonna we're not gonna leave you contentless between season two and season three. We've actually got some mini kind of bonus episodes planned to, to keep you entertained over the holidays. And then season three is gonna kick back on January the 19th. So the 12th and final episode of season two will arrive next week. 
And also, uh, Dylan, if you can give me some 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 fanfare for the next announcement, we're just one week away from revealing the first ever Making Kayfabe T-shirt. Da, 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 da. That's Sorry. that's great. That's okay. great fanfare. That is that is exactly what I was looking for. We we can't um you know can't, we can't wait to show you the design. It's it's uh, it's by our good mate Tyler, who has a company Blank Page Digital, and like I mean I I don't want to overhype this, but you know it might be the greatest T-shirt ever. I mean like I definitely felt sexier when when I put it on <laughs> today actually, and like we got I've actually got the shipment today, the prototypes today. So and uh, yeah Heck yeah dude. Yeah, yeah, dude, we've seen the the images and, and we've seen the final work and stuff. We've it worn them. <laughs> it rips, dude. It's so cool. I, I want to say fucking thanks to Tyler because that shit, he's a great artist. Check him out on, on Twitter because that shit rips, dude. It's so good. Yeah, he's a very, very talented guy. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a, I can't wait for you to see the design. We're going to review it next week after the, uh, the drop of the next episode. And uh, yeah, but as ever, you can catch us on Twitter at Making Kayfabe. Tweet us, send us your feedback, take part in our discussions, our polls, and, and, and see all of our little kind of videos we post up there. We also have an email address, which is makingkfabe at gmail.com. Uh, if your feedback kind of extends that of Twitter's character limit, you know, we're watching that inbox like a hawk every day. So, uh, or, or DM us on Twitter, it's your choice. But and also leave us a review don't forget to review us like you're, you are listening to this on a podcast app this podcast app probably has a rating system please leave us five stars uh, it really does uh, make a huge difference to the podcast and uh, you know helps us get um, helps us get more people in the KFAB community so uh, have you got any information about that Dylan? Uh, just keep kicking ass guys we, we love it we appreciate it you know it's so cool to see that people are, are digging the show and you know, we're so happy about that. That's why we're going to be doing, you know, all these Christmas episodes and the t-shirts and stuff. We want to, we want to give some more stuff back to you guys because you've been so sweet. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a hell of a, hell of a community. And like, uh, but yeah, until next week to the KFAB community, farewell, you beautiful bastards. We're going to see you next week. <laughs>